if you think this has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. Winter is coming. You're listening to The Watchers of Westeros. I am the king! A Game of Thrones podcast. When you play the Game of Thrones, you win or you die. Fire cannot kill a dragon. Lion doesn't concern himself with the opinions of a sheep. I've also heard the phrase, a Lannister always pays his debt. What good is power if you cannot protect the ones you love? We can avenge them. And avenge them, he did. Well, mostly, mostly. Or she did, maybe we should say. We're, of course, talking about the ninth episode of Season 6 of Game of Thrones, Battle of the Bastards, here on The Watchers of Westeros, your source for a little Game of Thrones talk this week. As I said, breaking down a Battle of the Bastard. Bastards, we've got the results from Bastard Bowl. More exciting, I tell you, more exciting than the uh, end of Game 7 of the NBA playoffs. Far more, far more exciting, far more intrigue, and uh, so much to talk about this week on The Watchers of Westeros. Ramsey Bolton dead two of the three headmasters or head like top masters headmasters i guess is wrong that's if they were teachers at a at a school uh, <laughs> uh top masters in marine dead and rickon stark dead as well so much to get into in an episode that only really featured two locations which to be fair uh was one more location than i was expecting it to uh, but yeah, like I said, so much to get into, so much, uh, so much, uh, so much to talk about. Let's stop wasting time and get into it. Uh, introductions are in order. If you're new to the show, my name is Dominic, and joining me, as he always does, it's my good friend and co-host, the award-winning Kieran Duggan. And it's Royal Rumble <laughs> between Jon Snow and Ramsey Bolton. Come on, Jon Snow. <laughs> what an episode what an oh this was this was up there with uh the best that game of thrones has ever offered um and obviously i don't want to give away my final thoughts and rating for this episode but suffice to say it's going to get quite a high mark this time you were talking about headmasters and schools and stuff so yeah i think we could be looking in the a star boundary <laughs> for this particular episode if i'm being honest but i i can't wait to get into this and um as, as, as much as anything, uh, I think this speaks to how good this episode is. I've probably done the most research for this episode that I've ever done, just Ooh. almost out of interest as much as anything. <laughs> uh, but also the Game of Thrones YouTube channel actually gave us a lot to digest. There were a lot of um, featurettes which were quite fascinating. So I look forward to dissecting that, but also what happened in the episode. Um it was a good one, wasn't it, Dominic? Oh, yeah. Not bad, not bad. Oh, yeah. It was all right. <laughs> it was pretty good, I guess. You know, well, it was all right. Could have been better. Could have been better. No, no, it was uh, It was fantastic. And let's let's just let's just jump right into it. Uh, and let's start 
in Marine, the surprise subplot, maybe. I mean, you know, typically Game of Thrones has followed a pattern where the ninth episode of the even-numbered seasons uh, takes place all in one location. Season two took place all in King's Landing and featured the Battle of the Blackwater. Um, season four took place all at Castle Black and featured the Battle of Castle Black. Surprise, surprise. And so I think a lot of us were expecting this to take place entirely in the North and just feature this showdown between Ramsay and John. Uh, but instead, we got some stuff in Marine picking up where we left off last week with uh, the Masters attacking uh, and uh, and Danny arriving on Drogon and uh, Tyrion having to uh, stand up for himself and, and say, yes, things look bad bad <laughs> and danny has that has the ability that um a lot of parents do uh that is to walk in at the absolute worst possible moment uh you know everything <laughs> everything was going great for Tyrion. everything was going great he was uh you know he had control of marine the people were supporting her as he says to her as he lays out to her and of course she just happens to arrive 15 minutes after the the masters start hurling flaming cannonballs at at the city so uh, he makes the case to her uh and he convinces her uh, just right off the bat what did you think of 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 Tyrion's uh defense of his actions while she was away I think it was fair that he defended himself because he'd actually been doing a pretty good job up to that point, if you think about it. Um, yes, we knew it was a kind of loose alliance between himself um, as acting leader of Marine and the masters of these other cities, but he, he, he basically made the best he could have done out of a very, very bad situation. Um, you know, he could turn around to her and say, oh, no, he wouldn't. But, you know, look at what you left me with. <laughs> you you technically left on a dragon when the city had been attacked by the Sons of Harpy in that kind of Colosseum Arena type um, building. And um, what were we supposed to do? We tried to look for you, etc. So, you know, the fact that the city actually remained as much intact as it was by the time Daenerys arrived, it kind of speaks to the fact that Tyrion did a pretty good job. Um, I mean, for example, Dominic, if you were in Tyrion's shoes, what would you have done differently to help the situation? Or do you think he would have gone down the Tyrion line and tried to de develop alliances to kind of um, placate the tension within the city and... Uh, from you know internal and external threats yeah i, I mean i think Tyrion ha handled it as best uh as best he knows how to and i think you know i, I think generally he he made a lot of the right calls you know as you're saying if, if i were in Tyrion's shoes uh i would probably would have made a lot of the, the same calls you know to try and and solve these things non-violently and and something that we've talked about in a lot this season it is the possibility of you know Danny becoming the villain that she's becoming a conqueror that she's not being the the hero that we we thought she was going to be and here what we see is she she still maintains a lot of her her beliefs and her values about slavery that that, that you know she's not about to start letting slavery um come back into the world uh you know she still is 
a good person and she wants to she wants the best for her people. But the way she's going to about go, going to go about doing these things is going to be a little bit more um a little bit more her way than Tyrion's way. It's going to be some kind of uh, some kind of mix where you know Tyrion's going to obviously help with these negotiations as we saw when when they have their little parlay with the masters. Uh, you know, Tyrion's definitely involved in that, and he convinced her. You know, don't just go and burn their their um, their ships and and kill all their people. You know, you have sure you have to put on a display to show that you have that ability to do that, but don't actually do it. Don't become like your father. Don't be the mad the mad queen and just burn them all. Um, put on the display, show what you're capable of, and you know, in in a in a way. You know, force people into submission, uh, but that submission is going to um, benefit them. It, it, you know that they're they're if they're not going to fight her, they aren't going to be slaves, kind of thing. Yeah, well, I think that's a good way to look at it, and I think you could tell the the, the striking differences in the personalities of Tyrion and Danny in that scenario. You can tell that Tyrion is the diplomat; he's mm-hmm. the one who wants to talk. Not to say he doesn't necessarily want to act out you know, retribution towards the masters as you know the kind of scene unfolds when two of the masters get killed off by a Grey Worm. Yes, you need that because you have to, as you say, have a show of strength. But if you start killing everyone, then it's not really going to benefit anybody really because, okay, people fear you. But you could be, a, like you say, a mad queen or a type Ramsey figure. Once mm-hmm. that fear dissipates, then everyone just leaves and abandons. So, yeah, I think you can tell that's the difference. And, and Danny's still learning in that department, isn't she, really? Yeah. You know, she's had her advisors with um, Sir Barristan Selmy, Jorah to an extent. Uh, but Dario, I wouldn't call him that. You know, he's he's a sellsword, not a diplomat. Tyrion is. Um, and obviously Varys isn't there. So it is kind of placed upon Tyrion's shoulders to be able to deliver. Um, and so far, whilst he's still there, then that will happen, which is why when we later see the scene with the Greyjoys, I think that's allowed to happen as well. Yeah. In part because of Tyrion's knowledge. Yeah. One of the things that I I've, uh, that I read following this episode, and I wish I could give credit, um, you know, I think I think both of us we both re- read so many reviews following the episode that we don't don't always uh, think to write down who uh, who makes these who makes what point. Um, but uh, somebody made the point that they don't want to see any one character be perfect and any one character have all the answers. And so what we see is that Tyrion's way doesn't work, Danny's way doesn't work, but Tyrion and Danny working together, their way works. Hmm. And I think I think that's we, a very good point. Yeah, we we saw that. You know, there was a display of force with the dragons, and I mean, those visuals alone could have uh, made for quite a, a visually striking episode without all of the battle uh, of the bastard stuff that came later. I mean, just the some really great effects work with with uh, with all three dragons. That was pretty crazy. Um, all of all of the stuff with with Marine, and it almost felt like. I almost felt like that could have been the climax to a different episode, you know, like that felt like it could have been the ending to something else. Um, but instead it's, it's just kind of, it's almost the prelude to what we see in the, in the rest of the episode. Uh, so 
I also just want to say I loved the scene where uh, Grey Worm kills the the two masters and and lets the other one leave. I thought that was that was so brilliantly done. I, I, everything about that about that sequence uh, with of the parlay, whether it was you know the the terms of surrender exchange, um, all of the um, the the masters soldiers just dropping their swords and running away. <laughs> I thought all of that was uh, was so so well done. Uh, but- yeah, I listened to um, the After Buzz TV podcast, oh. and somebody in the audience said they thought that was kill of the season. Yeah, yeah, I, I it was a very good kill, wasn't it's it? It's a very good kill. It's a very good kill. The hounds, uh, Ramsey's hounds, may have uh, <laughs> may have a have a, have something to say about that when we get to the end of the episode. But <laughs> yeah, it might not even make kill of the week. Can you yeah, that? that's how about that? But that that would definitely sort of be like one and two would both both be from the same episode. Um, and so after, after everything calms down in Marian, we see the arrival of Theon and Yara Greyjoy. And, and that's, a, this was another really, really cool scene. And I have to say, um, you know, Yara was never a character that I, I missed when she wasn't on screen. She was never a character that stood out to me as being, you know, really interesting. You know, there are a lot of really interesting side characters on, on Game of Thrones that don't always get their due. Um, but, you know, w- w- when she first appeared in season two and, you know, she was a, a recurring player uh, in three and four, uh, you know, she was she wasn't a wasn't a character that I disliked or had anything against, but she was never one of my favorites. But this season, this season, uh, I, I've really enjoyed uh, the portrayal of that character. And, and she's a character that now I, I think, you know, I, I sort of look back and like, where have you been for the last <laughs> where have you been for the last uh, season and a half? Because there's been so uh so little with that character and and so the the conversations with the uh, Tyrion, Theon, Danny and Yara I thought were just uh uh so, some really really great scenes and we see this alliance um be formed between the uh Targaryen uh the Targaryens I guess we'll say and the Greyjoys. What did you make of uh of that scene and that alliance? Oh, I loved it and it does make natural sense on a military level. But I think on a personality level, it makes sense as well, because I think Danny and Yara are quite similar. They're both very strong female characters. Um, they've now taken the lead within their family. You know, they want to be leaders of peoples. Um, and they and they have the ability to do that. And they're able to command legions and armies of men, you know. I think this was a very kind of gender-specific moment as well, in the sense that you had... Uh, the alliance formulated between the two female characters, whilst the two male characters were kind of in the on the sides when the shake of the arm took yeah. place. Um, and I think that was a running theme throughout this whole episode. I don't know about about you, Dominic, but the kind of idea of the rise of the matriarchal society in place of the patriarchal. Um, I, I think that was a specific theme that was emphasised in this episode. And as I said, in terms of connections between the two. Um, they both had, as as Danny pointed out, well, including Tyrion, but evil fathers, um, and they both want to change the way the world is to an extent. Although Yara was less inclined initially, um, <laughs> with the whole idea that apparently no reading, reading rape, raping was yeah. part of their culture. But you know, we'll, we'll move away from that. But the point is that they've got this kind of um, how Gemma Whelan, who portrays Yara, put it as an entente cordiale. Um, and, I, and, and I think it will work, to be honest. The only issue I have is not necessarily with those characters, but in how they're going to put the 
um, de decree of some sort out to the forces below, you know, the kind of the forces on the ground. How are the Ironborn going to adapt to this? Will they be more inclined to go back to Yoren if they have to change their way of life? That's just something that I was thinking about. But what about you, Dominic? What do you think about the alliance between the Greyjoys and the Targaryens? Is it going to work out? I, I hope so. I, I I think it I think it will. I think we see, you know, this is something we talked about a lot last season. Uh, was the idea that maybe where the story is headed is some kind of alliance between all of the, all of the younger characters. You know that the the older characters they they screwed up the world, uh, but so it's going to take their their children to, um, you know, look beyond the um, you know the narrow minded. Um, battle lines and bloodlines of their of their of their um, of the previous generation, and and come together and fix that. And so at the time we had thought, you know, obviously the Stark children, um, obviously Danny and Theon and Yara, but also we had also thrown in Shireen and perhaps even Tommen. And uh, it doesn't Ramsey. Look, uh, well, no, no, not so much him. Uh, but you know, at at and you know, for obvious reasons, Shireen can't be part of that, and. Uh, for other reasons, it doesn't seem likely that Tommen will be a part of that. But it is it is still that idea that, you know, they, as Danny mentions, they all had horrible fathers. And, and I guess Tyrion is, is filling that role for the for the Lannisters. Um, you know, they all had they all had horrible f fathers. And so now they're going to um, try and make up for the mistakes of, of Balon and 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 Tywin and the Mad King Ares. Um and, you know, it'll be interesting when they meet up with the Stark children who actually had a very good father and, and see how if if how that alliance can be forged. Yeah. And I think that's a good point you talk about. That was the name of the uh, one of the featurettes was the new generation. So it's a theme that they're highlighting. Yeah. And I, I could see them carrying on with that, because, as you say, there aren't too many so-called quote-unquote older characters left um mm -hmm. you know the ones that are still around i don't think will last very long and i'm including the likes of um you know Walder Frey, um sam tarley's father i think it's is it ran yeah, randall, randall. yeah randall um you know i don't think that those types of characters are really going to last that long anymore and obviously this season roose bolton's gone mm -hmm. um obviously ramsey even though he's technically part of the next generation um you know like the umbers mm -hmm. so all of us, and, and obviously Carl Stark's father was gone, and also even in the north, there's just almost a microcosm of this season of what's been, you know, um, what's yeah, really I mean, going look, on across Westeros. Look at look at who who's the Lord that they took the time to show us uh, signing up with John and Sansa, Lady Mormont. You know, twelve mm. years twelve years old. It, it it wasn't, you know, if anything, the old guy. The old guy, the Glovers, turned John and, and Sansa away. He said, "No, I'm not going to fight for you." But Lady Mormont, she understood what they were trying to do, and and you know, with some help from Davos, um, who you know, I think you know, Davos and and Tyrion to an extent, I think they represent the fact that you know, the older generation still has a part to play in this. They aren't to mm. be forgotten. Um, they, well, it's not making it as simplistic as yeah. saying that everybody who's an older figure is technically outdated and can't fit into this new world exactly. because that's just not correct. We're all at different individuals. So I yeah. think it's right that a couple would perhaps slip through the ranks. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, yeah, with, with the with the uh, Greyjoy Targar Targaryen alliance, um, 
at the very least, I think this means that this season will end with uh, with Danny setting sail for Westeros, and and season seven will will deal with her um, final or her you know the the her long awaited arrival on the, on the shores, and and we'll see we'll see how things go for her there, and and how her uh, her advise how good her advisors actually are. It also, oh. Yara and Danny, a pair. Yeah, <laughs> you never know. You never. <laughs> a bit know. of flirtation a little, going on. Flirtation there, and well, that that was a that was a good that was a good line that she had. You know, when uh, when Danny says, "I assume your uh, your um, offer comes without uh, a, a demand of marriage," and she says something to the effect of, "Well, I would never demand, <laughs> but uh, it was but a, I'm up for anything." Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was a, it was a great scene. It was a great scene. Uh, but yeah, let's let's head let's go to where the meat of this episode was, and that's in the north. And in the north, we see our our first uh, the the first and um, well, not final, but the first meeting between uh, John and Ramsey. And John challenges Ramsey to one on one, and we see this situation where y- you really you can tell that people like John and Davos and and Tormund are treating Ramsey like any other uh any other adversary and, and and Sansa is the only one saying hey guys he's not he's not like you're not going up against someone you've ever faced before um how how do you think you know that's one of the things that John kind of asks Sansa is like okay well what do we do what what do we do differently do you think that there's something that they could have done differently to or, or something that Sansa could have contributed earlier, um, or, or just in general contributed to the battle planning session to actually that could have um, changed the outcome of this battle, or at least uh, gotten us to the outcome we wanted earlier. Yeah, I think you're alluding onto the um, little finger veil point, perhaps. Well, I, I but... am, I am, and I'm not. Like that, that's uh, that's definitely something we'll come on to in a second, and that's definitely something I think she should have shared, and we'll get on to why in just a moment. But is there something like about how Ramsey deals with uh, deals with um, people that she could have shared? Because really, he plays Jon Snow like he plays him brilliantly. You know, John yeah. thinks John thinks he's rattled Ramsey. He thinks he's rattled him, but instead, Ramsey rattles John and gets John to um, make a f- attack foolish, foolishly, and fall into the trap that he was trying to get Ramsey to fall into the the pincer move. You know, they were trying yeah. to avoid that, and they were actually going to try and get. At least, I got the impression they were actually going to try and get Ramsey to fall into that. And instead, they get caught in it. And you know, if it wasn't for the timely arrival of the Knights of the Vale, um, that would have been it. Winterfell would still have been in control of the Boltons. Mm. Well, the thing is with Sansa, with the point you were making about whether she could have said anything else. Well, she could have told him about the whole Theon stuff. You know, I mean, what happened yeah. to him after after Winterfell? You know, that whole scene of obviously when she was raped and Theon was made to watch. When Sansa tried to plead initially with Theon to say, look, you are still Theon Greyjoy, help me, gave him the letter, he went straight to Ramsay. Mm-hmm. And then he um, strung up that northerner who was a, a supposed friend. So, you know, he finds these things out. And she saw him lead a force that massacred Stannis's army um, yeah. when Stannis apparently had the advantage. Well, so- Stannis didn't have the advantage anymore. 
I mean, well, by, by no, the time no, Stannis no. got she there. She didn't know that, did she? That's true. That's she true. didn't. She, I don't think she would be made privy to battle plans. But anyway, I know what you mean. We, know, we From our perspective, we knew Stannis wasn't going to win, but she didn't know when she was watching from the window mm-hmm. until she saw the cavalry and whatever. But the point is, she's seen enough of Ramsay to know he is very different. And I guess in that respect, he does fit into the kind of new generation type because he's not a conventional commander, is he? The same way that his father was. You know, I know Roose Bolton was a tricky some figure to to kind of tie down but he kind of he knew the rules wasn't he it was like right you got to marry someone uh you got to follow conventional warfare tactics mm-hmm. it was only ramsey who was the one who said no let's not have a siege let's burn stannis's camp you know so in that respect john underestimated him um but could you understand before we get into little finger stuff i guess then, could you understand john's perspective though dominic you know t- when he was making the points of saying, I've dealt with worse than Ramsay. Well, for not knowing Ramsay that well, you could argue that case, couldn't you? I mean, he's dealt with um, wildlings, with giants. He's dealt with white walkers. You know, on the surface, Ramsay is just another... He's just another commander. Yeah, I mean, just a I, I, confident one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, you compare you compare Ramsey Bolton to the Night King and and Hardhome and and everything that happened there. Um, even knowing Ramsey Bolton, you you would know you might be um, compelled to make the case um, that uh, that the White Walkers are more of a threat. Well, they are more of a threat, and they are probably more dangerous than than Ramsey. Although. I think again, John and, and Davos and, and Tormund, they were just looking at him as your everyday run of the mill commander, like his father. They weren't expecting him to be this um twisted twisted sadistic mastermind who uh who was able to uh to really play with their uh was able just to, to get them to walk right into his trap. Right into well, his Sansa trap. Well Sansa should also make highlighted a point that she I think made earlier, which was that it's likely I, I don't know, it's not confirmed, but he killed his father. And if someone's prepared to commit patricide, yeah, then you know they're going to be a slippery fellow. Let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I mean, we'll get again. We're going to hold off on the Knights of the Veil for just a second, but let's talk about um, Rickon and his his death. You know, Rickon. Uh, you know, he was. He are, we, are we coming back to the other camp stuff or not? Which which other stuff? Well, I was thinking maybe oh, the yeah, devil's. Yeah. We'll, we'll get back. To, to we'll, we'll get back to that. We'll get back to that. Okay, perfect. Um, but uh, but uh, Rickon, because you know we're talking about uh, battle strategy, and, and Ramsay's battle strategy was to rattle John by killing Ramsay Bolton in a very brutal way, um, in a very sadistic way, and 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 just you know, uh, he. Uh, so we have. He really, he basically Rickon Rickon who disappeared at the end of season three came back for two episodes this season didn't say a word, <laughs> but uh, he was released to uh, run to John and uh, and Ramsay basically toys with him by shooting arrows at him and missing intentionally a couple of times before finally just as John's about to reach him, ending Rickon, and you know Sansa predicted this she said this was going to happen she said rickon is not going to make it out of this which again you know that maybe that's somewhere where they could have they should have listened to her although you know it's very hard to say to somebody you know just be ready to sacrifice your little brother um uh and that of course rattles john and he makes the 
a horrific mistake that almost costs him this battle. Um, but but the death of Rickon and, and the death of Rickon, I think, is is really tragic. Even though he's a character, as I mentioned, you know, we, he was only in two episodes this season. He didn't say a word. We haven't seen him since season three. Uh, he, he, the actor has grown up uh, a whole bunch since we last saw him. Uh, he his death though is sort of the the ultimate tragedy of all of this, right? Because he was somebody who was completely innocent in all of this. You know, he really was, he had no part to play in this. Uh, you could, you can make the same case for, um, for Arya, I think. Um, but as Arya's adventures sort of wore on, you know, she sort of became more and more a part of the, of the story in the battle. But Rickon never really became part of that. He never, you know, he never really did anything beyond just trying to survive in this insane world. And he was killed not for anything that he did. Any other character, if they die, you can make the case that they are dying because they did something. Whether it's 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 Rob and Cat at the Red Wedding, Ned uh, on uh, Ned in back in season one, John at the end of season five, uh, Tywin when he uh, when he was shot, any of these characters, even characters that are still alive, if if if, if Arya or or Sansa or Bran or or John again <laughs> or or Tyrion or Danny or, or Theon or any of these characters, if they died, you could make the cases because of something they did. You can't make that case with Rickon. He was. One of the last true innocents in all of this. He, 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 his sole crime was being Ned Stark's son. Mm. Well, that's the same, same with Shireen, wasn't it? Really? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Her- Which is tragic. And I think that's the issue with, with children on Game of Thrones <laughs> is that the innocents are usually the ones that seem to bite the dust. I mean, yeah, you can make you- the case as well with um, Roos and Warder yeah. and Mr. Yeah. Frey's son mm-hmm. what did he do nothing but the fact that he was a bolton was enough to warrant his death and it's exactly the same with rick on the fact he's a true-born stark is the issue because he's the threat to the um ramsey's legitimacy as warden of the north that's the issue so santa was right you know and, and i think some that's that's part of the issue that santa had until the end of this episode is that people underestimated her because she was the younger female sibling and with that status, how could she compare to somebody like John, it would seem on the surface, you know, John, who's been involved in countless battles, was elected commander of the Night's Watch, has all of these advisors and people willing to follow him. Um, you know, Sansa is underestimated and it's sad, like you say, with Rickon's death, but I think it was always going to be the case. I think it was yeah. just more, how was he going to die? Um, and this was a pr- pretty hor- cruel way, really, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, to be so near yet so far, which is why that scene in particular, I thought was shot brilliantly because just before he gets shot, which I'm sure you picked up on as well, you have that big, you know, um, when you pan to different shots, you see Rick on run, John about to grab him, Ramsey about to lose the arrow, and then he misses. And then you have a wider shot of Rick on running to John and then he gets shot, which is great because it gives you that shock effect. Mm-hmm. But when, when you were going into this episode, Dominic, and you saw Ramsey pulling Rick on by the rope, you must have thought he was only going one way. Yeah, I was. I was hopeful. I was hopeful. You know, I you have to, you know, foolishly, 
I, I held on to hope that Rickon might might make it out for you know those reasons we were discussing. He truly is an, an innocent in all of this. Um, but in the end, yeah, it there there was only one way it could go, and as a result, um, things went things got things got really really bad for a lot of people. Um, all right. Uh, before before we get to the battle itself, you wanted to talk about uh, what went down between Davos and uh, and Tormund and the the night before the battle. Uh, what what did you make of those scenes? Oh, it wasn't necessarily that as much, but I don't mind talking about that. I meant more when he found the stag. Or yeah, are we going to come on to that but a bit I, later? I feel like that's mostly just set up for next week. I feel like that's mostly just you know he's 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 figured it out. He knows what's up. He, or he has a really strong suspicion of what's up, and and I feel like it's you know we're really going to to deal with the the fallout from that and and what what this all means for you know people who are who are uh, pretty important in John's life um, now being at each other's throats and uh, mm-hmm. uh, but I feel like it was mostly just set up for next week. Oh, I agree with that. I just wanted to ask the question to you. Are you surprised that we found out, or he found out so late? It's been a whole season since we've got to this point. A little bit, but looking ahead, I, I don't want to get too much into into next week's Preview, episode. Yeah, yeah but it, it does kind of seem like, um, you know, now that Winterfell has been taken, this alliance of Jon's might start to crumble. And we're going to start mm. seeing some people who were helping out each other, um, not wanting to help out each other anymore. And that the two obvious cases are, our most obvious cases are, are Davos and Melisandre, but also um, John and Sansa, and uh, Littlefinger and Sansa. And we'll, uh, but we'll get onto that when we talk about the preview for next week. Uh, but let's get let's get to the to the battle itself and uh, just. I mean, those visuals, man, that was incredible. That really, mm. really was incredible. Uh, in terms of, like, it, it's hard. It might not be fair to compare this to other battles that we've seen on on the show. I I still think um, Hard Home was more exhilarating. Like that was a more fun battle to watch. But this was a fun. fun. It was a massacre. Well, it was a, but, but, but like, I know what you mean. <laughs> you know. You know, it it was that that there was sort of like a that was a very, you know, fantasy fantasy action sequence. There, this was very very real, right down to the all the all the, the dirt and and just how dirty it was, but also just the way it was shot with the, the these great tracking shots and and you really got a sense of the chaos of what's going on. And I mean, when John gets buried, man, when he gets buried, like I was feeling uncomfortable, like I was feeling claustrophobic like that scene really was not fun to watch because it was it was so visceral you were you they did such a good job of, of putting you in the moment and, and and showing the chaos of the battle how um you know how how claustrophobic it all was and and just oh it was so good it was like it was, if they don't win all of the the technical emmys for this for this episode there is um something seriously wrong seriously wrong with well me. it's no it's 
Um, no coincidence, I guess, that you compare it to Hard Home because, as you, I think you pointed out a couple of episodes ago, but it was directed by the same person, wasn't it? Is it yeah, Mikhail? Yeah. yeah. Sap, how do you pronounce his name? Oh. Sap, Hold Sapershnik. on. Hold on. Let's see. It's. Uh, did you? I've got, I've, got, I've got his name written down. Yeah. I just don't know how to pronounce it. Yeah, it's. It is. Sapochnik. Yeah. Sapochnik. Sapochnik. Yeah. That's, that's where we're going with Miguel, Miguel Sapochnik. That's where we're going with. Yeah. If, you, if, you, if you're listening, then Miguel, you can just send just, us an email. Yeah. We'll we'll apolo- apologies for. <laughs> tweet us at well, Watcher Westeros. Mate, because I think that's kind of reflective of partly the tone of the episode, but also the, the way in which it broke up, because you compared it, of course, to um, the episode nine of the even seasons but the fact that you had another storyline embedded into this episode was exactly the same of hard home because that whole sequence happened in the second half but there was a lot of other stories going on as well mm-hmm. so i think it kind of fits the bill of this director and i think it means without going too much into next week that we should be very excited because he is directing that episode as well next week so i expect big things um but in terms of the cinematography like you say it was fantastic and I don't know if you knew this. I had no idea, and I put a star by this because I was shocked when I heard this. But the scene where the horses are charging at John is real. It's not CGI. Wow. The the, the scene when you know which one I'm talking yeah, about, where yeah, he has yeah. the kind of Ned Stark stance. I watched it, and I was in disbelief when I heard it. But he said, David Benoff, Benioff, executive producer and writer, said that he thought that was his. It was the Best shot of the whole season because that's 40 horses charging full speed at Kit Harrington. <laughs> and Kit, Kit Harrington said, Until the last minute, I stood there facing off against this cavalry charge, which was really scary. And we were a bit annoyed because people are going to think it was CGI and it wasn't. Wow. Yeah, it's it, it was incredible. It just, you know, that I mean, the, 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 the effects work that was done was incredible, but you know, also the ability to to shoot these things, um, just 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 on location, all of it, and and not having to rely on on what's done afterwards on post production. There is absolutely something something incredible about about that, and and just everything about this sequence was so so well done. Hmm. Well, it was great because yeah. in terms of the strategy of it all, they said it was very reflective of a medieval-style warfare right down to the um, tactics that the Boltons employed when they kind of encircled the um, the wildling army. And that was something that the Romans used. They said in the Battle of Cannae, I think it was, yeah. Cannae, um, well, when they just, the when other- Hannibal, dec- I think it was Hannibal actually, who decimated them mm-hmm. using that technique. So it's all based in real terms, which is which makes it even more realistic in that sense and believable. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, with the exception of one one being there, it is just a tr- <laughs> true. a truly medieval battle. I mean, if, even when you look at the other battles that we've actually seen play out over lengthy episodes, not the ones that you know during the War of the Five Kings where we would cut away from them, but the ones that we actually saw play out, like Hard Home, uh, like Castle Black, like the Blackwater those all had fantastical elements to them. You know, uh, obviously with the Blackwater, there was all of the, all of the stuff with um, the wildfire uh, with, uh, with hard home, you were fighting ice zombies uh, with, uh, with castle black. You had 
people on top of a 4,000 feet wall uh, shooting down at giants and, and, and that sort of thing. And, and here, for the most part, again, 1-1 being the exception, exception um, you were just looking at two opposing medieval armies charging at each other. And, and, and so it, there is something, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that as the show has gotten, has dived more and more into the fantasy elements of this story and, and gotten away from, from just the straight up medieval politics of it all, that this late in the game, we're getting a, a true medieval battle as opposed to a fantastical fantasy with dragons shooting at each other and, you know, shooting fire at each other and, and ice zombies charging and rising the dead. You know, instead we get this hard, this hardcore for lack of a better term, um, medieval warfare. And the thing is as well with the, the battle in general, it wasn't just the cinematography or the visual effects, which were amazing, but it's the fact that there was so much intensity to the battle because I think this is the first battle where we, well, I know we've had battles where we cared about people in the past, but there have been a lot more people we didn't want to die in this scene, in this battle. You know, we wanted uh, one, one to stay alive. John, uh, Giants, Bane, Tormont. We wanted Sadavos. You know, we wanted these characters to make it. And once Rickon went and we, and you, and you're in, in kind of embedded into this chaos, anything can happen. In that shot where I talked about where the horses were charging at John, and I think it worked really well because of the music. You know that music that was played at that point, which obviously I think stood out to most people. It, it was so emotional, and you thought this is like the music of a final stand moment. Mm-hmm. Did you get that? Same oh feeling? yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Which was the point of it, because I think the music was trying to fool the audience. You're trying, it forces you to feel like this is what's going to happen. And then when it doesn't, it becomes a shock. So um, just everything about it was just great. And as you say, the way in, the intensity increased once the kind of encirclement took place, because the battle became a lot more compact. It was very, as you say, claustrophobic. I think that's a very good way to describe it. And as soon as it became more claustrophobic, then you really do feel for the characters because you feel like you're right there in person. Yeah. And at any moment, one of them can die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing that we, we get in this, you know, is it is two armies going up against each other. And, you know, with you can say the same about uh, the Battle of the Blackwater, but that was, you know, they, they were, that was still so early in the in the series that they were still, you know, they were still figuring things out. They didn't have... Uh, the budget to do something like this and, and and you just get this sense of it's a slaughter and and the number of bodies that are just piled up piling up mm. so high it was it's it's really quite shocking like it's 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 a vision it's a visually it's very very disturbing just to see those those images of the the bodies piled up and, and, and well because they said as well it. about the bodies that they're actually fake but they obviously well, understandably, they're not actually yeah, real yeah, people, I mean, <laughs> but you know what I mean? They weren't real people lying there. They're all like props and stuff, but they put like um, shields and flags on them. But even the actors, the actor who played Lord Umber, said he felt emotional when he saw it because it looked so real. And he said he'd never seen anything like it. So yeah. on set, it looked just as real. So um, 
you know, you got to give them hats off to that because, as you say, when the bodies were piling up, you you are looking, thinking, "Oh my God, this is wow!" As you say, it's a slaughter. Yeah, and I think this is the perfect time to talk about the Knights of the Vale because you know, as as the as our heroes are being um, are caught in the pincer of the pincer move when all mm-hmm. seems lost, in come the Knights of the Vale to save the day, and. This, yeah. <laughs> well, this is this is where. <laughs> what is that? What's that? What's that other that, that other thing that nobody cares about? No, I'm kidding. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, this is where I think um, John and Sansa need to have a very serious talk about what happened there and why she didn't tell him. Because you look back at the episode a few few weeks ago. When they were, when John and and Sansa and Davos were going around trying to convince people to join their cause, um, the the two groups that we saw join their cause were the Mormonts and the Wildlings, and both instances, it was said, you know, this isn't the real battle. The real battle is still to come. The real battle is with the Night King and his army of Whites and White Walkers. We need to hold the North and. Uh, for, and winter, we need to hold Winterfell so we can hold the North when they come, because they are coming, and there's nothing we can do about it. What an insane waste of life! You know this battle is coming. You know that you are going to have to fight the undead. This army of the undead is coming. You obviously. People are going to die in this battle to take Winterfell. That that is just the reality of 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 war and the reality of the story. But if they if they could have found a way to take Winterfell and have more people alive at the end to fight the real fight that is coming, shouldn't that have been priority? Shouldn't that have been, um, you know, what they needed to do? And and this is where, uh, you know. This is where, again, John and Sansa are going to have to have that conversation about trust. Do we trust each other? Why don't we trust each other? And, and because, you know, if, if they had awaited, if they had awaited for the Knights of the Vale to arrive, um, you know, even if John had still fallen into Ramsay's trap, the battle would have been a lot more even. They wouldn't have been um, cut down so easily and, and wound up in the pincer. It would have been a, a much more even, even matched battle, and, and they probably would have won. Um, without, you know, without piles of bodies quite that high, there would have been piles of bodies, but it wouldn't have been quite that high. And, and so that, that's something that, that those two characters, um, you know, this is not a flaw of the show. The, the show is setting up some very interesting drama between these two characters. Um, uh, but that's something these two characters need to talk about and talk about it quickly. And fortunately it is alluded to in the next time trailer. Well, there are two things I want to highlight about that, and I think they're very good points you've raised. Um, one, perhaps more in defense of Sansa, is you have to question whether Ramsay would have employed the same tactics if he was aware the veil was coming. I think he would have prepared more for a siege because he would have known that it would have been a more even contest and he would have struggled to come out victorious. I think the main reason he came out so, you know, partly for overconfidence, I think, because he knew that he had double the n- number of forces and he wanted to set an example to people in the north. 
So I think that's one reason to consider, maybe on a tactical side. Not saying that's really what went through Sansa's mind. I think more through Sansa's mind, she's playing the game a bit. Um, and I think there is that element of distrust as well. But the other point I want to raise is what about Littlefinger's motives? Now, I'm going to hearken you back to a quote that he said in Season 5, Episode 6, when he said to Cersei at King's Landing, he said, let Roos and Stannis fight it out. Um, and, you know, whichever, and let me take it from whichever thief is still standing. Well, what if Littlefinger was there the whole time and just said, no, let's not go in yet. Let's just wait. Let's wait for the right moment. Because now the North is at his mercy. He's got the biggest army there. He's just cut off the Boltons. The Wildlings, pff, you know, they're pretty much cut to scrap. He's the only one left standing. They're going to be reliant on him for military support. And the issue now for them is, is Littlefinger going to care as much about what's going up on North? I think he'll be looking more down south. Yeah, I mean, this raises the ultimate question of what is what are Littlefinger's motives in all of this? Well, power. Yeah, well, but is it, though, in this situation? Because he's always, he's been after two things his entire life. Power and the love of Catelyn Stark. He never got it from Cat. And so, creepily, he's gone after her daughter. So. But doesn't this kill two birds with one stone? Does it, though? You know, marriage, if, marriage if, with Sansa could. Marriage with Sansa, yes, but that's assuming that she goes along with it. I think we may actually be seeing a situation where Littlefinger feels guilty, and that's why he went into this fight. Now, he might be able to spin this for some, for some benefit down south, but ultimately, I think he, he, he went into this fight out of, you know, the, to, to quote Jamie, uh, the things I do for love, or perhaps guilt in this case. It's true. But can you also see perhaps my other point about why they intervene there and then? He said his forces were at Mount Caitlin, which doesn't seem to be that far from Winterfell, if you bet, compare it to season four when Ramsay took Mount Caitlin. Mm, you, know. you know, again, uh, the appearances... Unless he's like hiding behind a hill just out of sight from Sansa, if if he arrives with that army and she sees him and he says, ah, we're going to wait a minute. She's not going to be happy. She's not going to trust him. He's trying to regain her trust after the events of last season and, and the hell that he inadvertently put her in. Yeah, no, I agree with that. There is that. Old, and I'm just trying to add other points to this as well to mm -hmm. say why there and then as well. Sure, but sure. No, no, I, 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 agree, I agree for the most part that, you know, he did it in part out of guilt. But I also look at it and think this is political motivation here. And no, no matter what you say, even if it perhaps wasn't his prime motivation, yeah. it is a principal outcome of this battle. He is now the strongest lord in the north. Uh, yeah, okay, Sansa Stark is technically the Warden of the North. Well, is but she he has or the is army. John? Is no, she, Sansa is... doesn't have an army that can match his. No. But is, is Sansa Warden of the North or is John? It's not really clear. They have, I don't think they've decided. Well, I would say Sansa because she's a Stark and he's a bastard. True. 
but he was the head of the army. He was in charge of this assault. He was the, you know, he was the Stannis or the Rob or the, you know, or the, the, the Tywin in this fight. You know, he was, he was the one leading the charge. I think Sansa has a bigger claim anyway as well, because technically she was married to Ramsay Bolton, mm-hmm. who has just been killed. Fair point. And he was warded of the point. North. That, that's... And she's a Stark. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. I, I, th- may, I th- hopefully we'll get some clarification on that next week. Yeah, as I to, think we will do. The, yeah, as to the the logistics of ruling the North, <laughs> and uh, and who who does what, who's who's in charge of what. Um. So after after the fight, after the the fight, um, we get, uh, or after the battle, John and and Tormund and and one one and a bunch of archers chase. Ramsay back to Winterfell and they have this showdown in the courtyards of Winterfell. Um, a very nice uh, full circle um, kind of instance uh, situation there. And uh, John ends the, ends the battle with Ramsay um, blocks the arrows with the shield beats the living daylights out of him, but stops when he sees Sansa. And then later we get the scene in the crypts where, or not the crypts in the, in the, in the cells where Sansa unleashes Ramsay's hounds upon him, and Ramsay Bolton is finally dead. What did you think of the death of Ramsay Bolton? Just a couple before I get onto that, to the John stuff, another interesting tidbit I discovered is that that scene with John punching Ramsay was filmed for ten hours. Oh my! Oh my God! <laughs> ten hours. Apparently, two of them landed properly <laughs> on, on the actor of Ramsey, and he had a massive bruise, he said, the next day on his jaw. So Kit Harrington said, I had to buy him a pint the next day to make yeah. up for it. I think I would hope he would buy him a few pints. Like a few pints, maybe a cake, you know, just take him, take him, hand, take him to the movies. He's doing it for 10 hours. He's done all right only to land two. Yeah, only them. to land two. Yeah, that's fair. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> But uh, so that was just a thought point that was quite interesting. As far as the final scene goes, wasn't it just poetic justice in a way? Uh-huh. And so much so that the same music that was played in that scene was the sorry, the music that was played in that scene was the same music played in the scene when Ramsey raped Sansa. Oh, really? And yeah, exactly the same wow. cue. Very, very, very How poetic. Well yeah. So it's almost playing those same musical cues and kind of reminding the audience sort about of, almost the irony of this. Yeah, sort of the same way that um, as Cersei was being pre- prepared for her walk of shame last season, it was the Reigns of Castamere that were playing. You know, the song about Tywin's yeah. greatest accomplishment being uh, used as his, as his daughter is about to face her ultimate embarrassment, her ultimate shame ding. Uh, <laughs> exactly uh, i thought it was a great scene and yeah. i think we both talked about the possibility didn't we of him being killed off by his dogs mm. the hounds the i mean what did you make of it did, were, were you impressed by sansa you know she managed to watch all of that mm-hmm. well she, she initially wanted to turn away but she didn't yeah well i i i don't know i, I don't know if if um I, i'm glad she got her her closure on that hopefully I hope that the um, the theory that she's pregnant with his child is not true at all. Mm. Although there's a possibility, been... though. Yeah, this you, is the second time. The second time this season that there was a line about you know him being inside her forever. So mm. you know, um, we'll see. Hopefully, hopefully that those are that's just um, that's just a red herring. Um, but 
Well, because the other theory that's gone on with that linked onto Littlefinger is that perhaps that could be a way to push the marriage together is if she doesn't mm. want to be associated with a Bolton child. That's That could be interesting. That could be interesting. It's either that or when she was saying erase the memory, a very dark term, but she might actually have to kill her own child. Oh, boy. <laughs> that would be, yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> um, but the... Uh, Getting dark now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the, uh, the actual death it's, itself... Um, what 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 I what I found to be most poetic is that he finally Ramsey finally in his final seconds felt fear. Mm. That was his thing. He was never afraid. That was what what made him so scary. Was that he he didn't fear anything. He was always um, ten steps ahead of everybody else. He was sort of you know. Uh, he had he he has in a way a lot in common with Littlefinger and Varys. You know he was always plotting and. And, and playing people against each other and, and getting things to work out just the way he wanted them to. And he was never, he, we never saw him afraid. And even when John was beating the crap out of him there in the courtyard at Winterfell, he was still laughing and smiling like he was enjoying it. And then finally, in those final moments when she, she, she releases the hounds into his cell, he sees, he finally feels that fear that he inflicted on her, on Theon, on um, Waldefrey, on everybody who he hurt, that fear that he used so effectively, he finally felt it right before he died. And so that, I think, was was a very effective and uh, powerful way to end him. Yeah, it was a great way. And it actually meant that we got a bit of satisfaction when yeah. it comes to um, a character dying, which we haven't really had since Joffrey's death, yeah. to be honest. <laughs> But yeah. this one felt more satisfying in a way because Joffrey's one was just a bit of you know he drank out of the cup yeah. and then was poisoned. Although it was a very it was quite brutal yeah. visually at least. <laughs> but this one was far more. Um, but um, DB Weiss, I think that's how you pronounce his surname, mm -hmm. was talking about how he thought the Sansa walk away moment was his favorite moment of the season. Yeah, um, when she let out that ghost of a smile. Apparently that was. 13 takes of that <laughs> that's a lot of takes to do a smile but yeah yeah what does that what does that tell you now dominic about sansa's character before we get onto the preview stuff but you know she's gone through you know even throughout this whole episode really i feel now she's made a big jump a big leap from mm. being somebody who maybe not within herself but how she's perceived by others yeah you know she's no longer perceived as that little girl Mm -hmm. at, at Winterfell who was kind of in your ear and you're thinking oh just shut up <laughs> which is I thought at, at one point John was sort of getting to that point when she was saying oh that's a wrong battle strategy or what battle strategy do you want to have in mind or do you have in mind <laughs> oh I don't have one so you know now it's a bit different isn't it yeah yeah I do think that um you know I I, I think really all season she's been uh working up to this moment where she is in control and, and that she is no longer um beholden to anyone you know she is she, she and and she is not people know that she's not someone to be pushed around anymore you know she, you can't force her to marry Tyrion or, or Ramsay anymore you can't um you know you can't do any of the, the horrible things that that Cerse, the, the way Cersei manipulated her or Joffrey manipulated her none of that um can't really can really happen um 
uh, and anymore. You know, she has one. She has the agency to reject that, and um, yeah, and and she also has the ability and the authority to back up to back that up as well. So I, I think, you know, we have seen you know at the end of season four. Um, I think a lot of people had had very high hopes for where she would end up, and I, I think we've finally gotten there. We took a we took quite the detour with uh, with Ramsey, but we we did eventually end up more or less where I think a lot of people expected her story was going at the end of season four. Was it a detour? When you think about it now, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. Now that you can see the full the full range, the full uh, the full path, maybe it wasn't, but at the time, it definitely felt like. You know, they had set her up in, in, in for this really incredible story, and then just you know, slam slammed on the brakes. Well, if you look as well for the people now that she's learned from, Cersei, Littlefinger, Ramsay, if you could put that all together, I think that's what we're going to see Sansa become in the future, which mm-hmm. is quite a worrisome thing when you think about it. I hope she still retains a bit of stock in her, but. I think she's going to have to be one to really watch out for, um, certainly on the political scene. Oh, for sure, for sure. I, I, I would hope that, like you said, there's, there's still, there's still some Stark left in her. There's still, you know, what Ned and Catelyn instilled in her still exists, and you know, in a lot of ways, John embodies a lot of those traits. But I, I do still think that Sansa ultimately will, will embody those, and and we'll start to see some of that I, I think even in the next episode um before we talk about the preview there's one thing that i wanted to talk about that we didn't talk about um earlier that I, that i forgot about so i want to go back to that and, and that is john telling melisandre that if he dies he doesn't want her to bring him back what what did you make of that of that um request from john snow i think it showed that at that point um he he he'd been he'd done really. I think he looked at this almost as his final battle if he was to die. I don't think he's ever been satisfied personally, from what I've seen of, of or the way that Kit Harrington's betrayed him. I don't think he's ever been satisfied of being back alive. You know, I feel like once he retakes his home, that's kind of it. I think he's just been a bit fed up with it all. And I think after Rickon died in particular well, obviously that was before, that was after the Melisandre scene, but I, you know, he just looked a bit of a, um, he just looked as though he was ready to give up, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. You know, and he'd, he'd, been, he'd been in a um, confrontation with Sansa, who was his sister. He'd having to deal with a um, sadist. And it's just a bit like, oh, it's a heavy burden. And I think throughout this episode, you saw that there was a little bit of humanity lost in him, particularly towards the end, when he did beat Ramsay to a pulp. It was far more animalistic and predator-like. It was almost like, I mean, he looked with soot and dirt on his face, like almost you know, a dog in that sense, just like <laughs> beating the crap out of this person. The humanity that was left in him was dissipated. And a point that Kit Harrington and that also made in this particular episode was saying that um, in that scene when he was pushed to the ground and it was very claustrophobic in that kind of very compact battle scene moment, he said when the, when the crush happens, he, he, 
John thought about finding peace and just giving up. But then he compares it to when Danny became aloft at season three, when he then jumps up and reaches out. He says that John has been reborn again. Yeah. So I'm kind of looking at that and thinking, does this show that John now does care about humanity in a, in a, in a way that he never did, or he cares about living again. What do you think about that? And the statement that Kit made. Well, that's an interesting statement from, from Kit. I I, I hope we see some evidence of that next in the next episode, because I I didn't necessarily get that in, um, in, in this episode. I, I, I felt that in this episode, he was, you know, very much portraying someone who was just caught up in in the heat of the battle throughout uh, most of it. After you know, after that sort of you know last stand stand kind of thing, um, once the battle actually started, he was sort of caught up in in that and not um, not thinking about anything else in, until you know Ramsey was dead, basically. Um, and so I hope we see some evidence of that because this season, you know, he was brought back, but he has been very reluctant to accept that all season, you know, all season he, he hasn't wanted to do anything. He does. He gave up at the beginning of the season. He gave up, gave up essentially the fight against the night King and he was just going to head South. Um, and then all, all season he was really reluctant. He didn't want to go fight for Winterfell until he found out they had Rick on. He, he didn't want to do any of that. He was basically just doing this stuff because Sansa was asking him to, and 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 he cares about her. Well, it was all very personable, rather than on an overarching level, like you said. Mm-hmm. As soon as Rickon died, the one thing you know that shot, which um, where that kind of intense music comes on, is just John staring at Ramsay. That's all he cares about, really, mm-hmm. throughout the course of this battle. But Ramsay never gets involved. He kind of is that Napoleonic figure on the horse, just watching. So it's only when the veil arrives and then he kind of sees him again that he just goes for him. Mm-hmm. And that's all he cares about. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, ho- like I said, hopefully we see some some evidence of this sort of reborn, re-energized, I want to say, a re-energized Jon Snow as, as, the, as we go forward. Because, you know, obviously he has to go through that. Being brought back from the dead is, is no, small, no small feat. Uh, so obviously he has to go through that, that um, phase of questioning what it means and, and all of that but he, he does still have a part to play in this and you know prior to his murder at the end of season five it, it seemed like he was a lot more invested personally in the in the larger picture and and after he was killed uh that investment seemed to go away and so hopefully he will find a way to reinvest himself in that uh as we go forward but I think now, now I think is as good a time as any to look ahead to next week's episode, the season finale. I can't believe it. We're already there. The season finale of uh, Game of Thrones season six. The episode is titled The Winds of Winter. Let's take a listen. Are you prepared to stand trial and profess your guilt or innocence before the seven? We need to trust each other. We have so many enemies now. The Freys and the Lannisters send their regards. What do you want? I thought you knew what I wanted. Tell them what you did to her. Tell them! Are you afraid? Good. You're in the great game now. And the great game is terrifying.
so much going on in there. It's it's going to be one hell of a finale. Uh, well, I wonder let's, it's however many minutes long. Yeah, yeah, it's it's the longest episode to date. I think they said sixty nine minutes. So let's let's start at the beginning of this preview. We see our uh, a look at the trial of Cersei and Sir Loras. Uh, so we'll, we'll see that storyline picked up in earnest uh, after they took a week off this week, and and you know that's one. Uh, that's one that you know. I think that they there was a lot of uh, you know that 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 the the second half of this season. There's been a lot of focus on that. I feel like there's been a real mm. focus on on getting set up for that. So I feel like that's going to play. Do you a think huge that's going to be the big climax to this season? I I don't know if that's going to be the climax to this season, but I think that's going to be the bulk of this episode. Mm. I, I, I so think, do you think we will see a trial result, or do you think they'll only show show the Solaris part? I well, show all of it. I I think I think they're going to. I don't think I, I don't know how much we'll get into the trial. I think we'll see Sir Loras's trial, but I don't I don't know if we'll see Cersei's. I, I you know again we talked about this a few weeks ago. Um, I think she's going to burn them all. And again this week, do you think that happened this episode? Though? I think so. I think so. I, I think you know they showed us the Mad King back several episodes ago, and then Tyrion reiterated a lot of that mm-hmm. in this episode. So obviously they want us to be aware of that. And he said, didn't he, that it was in the set of Baylor. Yeah. He made that clear. Exactly. They want us to be aware of that going into this, uh, this finale. So I, I think that's where we're going to see, um, see Cersei, um, lose her mind. Uh, then we had to, to Jamie won't be there. Jamie won't sure. be there. Yeah. So at the very least, I guess she'll live to see another season. Um, we won't end with her death the way maybe the way we ended with John's death the last season. Um, then we hit the North in the preview. Uh, we talked we you know we talked about John and Sansa and that they're perhaps the lack of trust there and the whole Knights of the Vale incident and and John basically um, telling her he you know you need to trust me we need to trust each other we need to um, we need to fight we need to fight this fight together going forward we can't. Uh, just, um, you, you know, we can't rely on, uh, on, we can't keep secrets from each other. We need to rely on each other. And, uh, like I said, like I, like I, like I talked about in this episode, I think he's got a really valid point there. Yeah. I mean, it does baffle you in a way that she wouldn't trust him mm-hmm. as, as, as next of kin. Although I, you know, what, maybe she's just prejudiced against people who've died and come back. I don't know. <laughs> um, but, I think it speaks as much to her character, though. As I said, I wonder if she's really started to play the game now, and I, you know, how much of that is based on what she's learned. I don't know, but hopefully, she does forge that trust. Yeah. I mean, do you think that's going to happen? I hope do you think so. They're going to resolve things this episode. I hope so. I, I really, really do. I hope that they they resolve resolve things, and that I think will do will be due to something we're going to come on to in just a second. Uh, but what happens with Littlefinger? Uh, but, but we'll get we'll get to that in just a second. We do get a quick shot of the twins, and we see Walder Frey. That's Ho- a great shot. I yeah, say by the way, that is yeah, it's a beautiful shot. Uh, and then we see we see Walder Frey at the head of his table, hosting another party, saying, and a great callback to the Red Wedding. The Freys and the Lannisters send their regards. There's been a couple of evocations to the Red Wedding. Yeah, do you think this means that he might get his comeuppance from a certain Arya mm. who was at? 
Because uh, if you think I, we've seen the blackfish again, the river run things come back up again. Now, now why why are we going to go back to the phrase oh, to see them just do yeah. a toast? I, I don't... I don't see the purpose otherwise if nothing's going to happen. I, I feel like Arya's a little too far away. This is the this is the thing that sticks out in this preview as being a little bit that as odd. being yeah, odd, separate from everything else. Um but I, I will say maybe this is the you know you've there've there been a lot of allusions to the red wedding this season. There've been a lot of allusions to a to a certain character who was killed at the red wedding. This might be the last gasp for the Lady Stone, Lady Stoneheart truthers. Maybe, really? maybe. Ooh, I, that would be pretty. Because also, what I just don't see, and also the scene itself is very reminiscent in terms of the lighting yeah. of the Red Wedding. Yeah, it, it, it's sort of right the, down to the benches of them all sitting there. Sort of the sort of the same way that that when the Brotherhood came back. It it was sort of um, everything was being set up to make you think that that character was going to show up, and then they didn't. What if the this Brotherhood scene, were the people who came in this episode that, with the Hound? That might be a little bit that. Ooh, maybe that's where we're headed with that because the Brotherhood again. That's that's that plot line that's kind of just out there. They're not. They're near River Run. Okay, I we think, know they're near. Um, yeah, maybe maybe this is it. Maybe maybe the. Maybe a Stark won't. I guess won't... the Hound was there as well, wasn't he? Yeah, maybe a Stark won't get revenge for the Red Wedding, but it will be the Brotherhood. Does that mean we have to fear for Jamie and Bronn or not really? Uh, I, <laughs> I I don't think we'll have to fear for, for Jamie, perhaps Bronn, but they would be foolish to or kill him. Or the <laughs> <laughs> Please, God. Please, yeah. And end him. End him. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's what's going on at the twins. I, I actually, I think maybe the brotherhood, I think the brotherhood is more likely than, than Lady Stoneheart. I think, <laughs> sorry. Um, I'm intrigued by that though. That That's one, even though it's odd in a trailer, I'm oh, compelled yeah. by it. Very, very compelled. Now we'll, let's talk about Littlefinger and Sansa. Ooh. Oh man. So Littlefinger approaches Sansa out in the snow by a weirwood tree. And uh, he says, I think he said, what does he say? He says, I think, you know, what I've, what I want. And it's, yeah, she says to him, she says to him, what do you want? And he says, I thought you already knew what I wanted. Yeah. And it, it, you get sort of a, um, a like, he's like, yeah, like he's like, he's leaning in, like he's leaning in and I'll make this prediction. If he dies next yeah, episode, I'm going to be pissed off. I think this is the end of Lord Peter Baelish. I think Sansa is going to. I think Sansa is going to maybe. I don't think she's going to go on a rampage, but she a little two episode um, killing spree of ending the people that have wronged her most. She didn't get to do it to Joffrey. She probably won't get to do it to Cersei. But Ramsay and Littlefinger. I I I'll make that prediction. I think. I think I think Littlefinger. I think this is his last episode. I think that's going to be one of the, the big shock moments in this finale. Mm. 
I, you know, that's the thing. I was worried this episode he might go. Yeah, uh, this episode, this episode, he gets his name in the opening credits and he just sits on a horse smiling <laughs> for yeah, for for two <laughs> seconds. So um, that's sort of like oh. that's sort of like my my favorite uh, my favorite name in the you know. Uh, you're, you're, when you get your name in the opening credits and having the least amount of work to do, that's that's second only to Charles Dance playing his corpse <laughs> and still being in the. But uh, Sansa hasn't. Yeah, oh, I don't know if it'd be already. He's just arrived. I'm not sure if Sansa would be ready for that yet. Uh, well, if he's making advances that she doesn't want, yeah, but Sansa's gonna have, to have a knife or something there behind a weirwood. I mean, it could she happen might. because she the might. setting is there. You know, she, maybe she after after everything she's been through. Do you think she's not arming herself? I'm not denying that, but oh, I'm not sure now. I you know, if now you say it, it 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 would be quite in a way poetic that they would do it in front of the weirwood tree where Ned and was sitting. Mm-hmm. Person he was very much involved mm-hmm. in killing. Oh, but and then again. It could easily happen because she could then take. But then, what 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 claim would she have on the veil, though? Surely she'd want to marry him to have the claim before she kills him. I don't think she cares about that. Yeah, but surely she would because that's an army that could be used against the White Walkers. Hmm, that's true. But in the moment, in the moment, maybe maybe she thinks she can control Robin. Maybe she thinks she can control Robin because he Littlefinger doesn't actually control the Knights of the Veil. Uh, Robin Aaron does. That's true. But Santa did snap him in the face. That's true. But John is around this time. <laughs> I'm trying to figure ways that little finger won't He's like. dead. Like He's dead. He's oh, he he dead, dead, dead. I don't mind next season, but he's, he's not even shown up that much this season. Come on. Yeah. I, oh. He's a guy. The thing is, I can see it happen, which is why I'm trying my best to think of why it won't happen. <laughs> it, would, it does make a lot of sense if it would happen, but... I don't know. I just feel like surely it would be a bit more of a... Well, I, I say that. Bruce Bolton, when he died, there wasn't any build-up to that. It was just like, yep. you've got a son. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have that. Um, He's done. Yeah. He's done. I think it... Well, I don't know. I don't know. Let's actually... Do you think... Sorry, what was you going to oh, say? I was going to change. I was going to move along. I was going to move along. All right. Move on, then. Move along. Not happy. Move along, <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I just thought of one other... Um, or another person who could, who maybe might show up at the twins there. What if, Ooh. what if Brienne and Pod showed up? Ooh. Little, little last minute revenge for, uh, for Catelyn. Maybe. Well, why would they go there? Surely they'd go up north. Yeah, no, I, it's ridiculous. I don't, I don't, I, I, I was just sort of like. <laughs> and also, they wave goodbye to Jamie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Be a but... bit weird if two episodes later. Oh, hello again. Oh, hello again. Yeah. <laughs> anyways uh moving on in the trailer um we get we get a scene of you know this is that that splintering of the the coalition that i was talking about davos uh and melisandre are uh, meeting with john and and clearly davos has figured it out knows what happened to shireen and he's you know he's yelling <laughs> i do i couldn't help but laugh at the like tell him what you did tell him what you did <laughs> that was um I, I you know i'm sure in the episode it will be uh far more emotional but in the trailer it was kind of it was a little bit um it, it, i couldn't i couldn't resist a, a, a bit over dramatic uh, yeah i couldn't resist a chuckle but uh it will be interesting to see how john handles this because 
you know, he does owe her a debt for bringing him back. But as we've talked about, he's that's something he's struggled with a lot this season. So maybe he would get some closure by bringing justice to her for her crimes. But do you think Melisandre will die now? She's a character that's kind of needed a little bit, isn't she? Yeah. And, because and, if John dies, then we need her to bring him back. Well, I don't think... I no. could see it more being Sadavos, who's the one to not necessarily die, but to leave. Yeah. I, I don't think we'll see... Um, I don't think we're going to see another resurrection like that with uh, with her. The only The only thing I can think of that's keeping her around is that when she saw Arya in season three or two, no, three, um, she did say that they would meet again. Mm. And, and that's Gosh. what, that's the one thing that's keeping her around. Um, but then again, we know that her predictions have been wrong. I mean, she thought Stannis was the, the, the savior, but she did see Winterfell in the flames. That's with the banner coming down, but she just misinterpreted. She it. misinterpreted it. Yeah. So maybe she misinterpreted that Arya thing. Maybe, maybe, yeah, true. maybe she she thought she would meet Arya, but she met Sansa instead. Maybe that's the, maybe that's their runaround. Um, we do get a quick shot. I don't know, but do you think? What do you think with Sadavos though? Do you think he's going to go? I, I I really don't want him to. <laughs> um, Not but, die, but just leave. yeah to leave. No, but unless unless Melisandre dies, I think he might need some time to figure things out. Hmm. So. Oh, well. We'll, we'll Hopefully see. Hopefully he runs into Jorah. Maybe. You can tell him about the whole Shireen, how to get better again. Yeah, that, well, that could be a spinoff. That could be a little spinoff together. <laughs> I'd love that. <laughs> the Adventures anyway. of Davos and Jorah. <laughs> um, yeah, um, then we get a quick shot of Bran uh, in the snow. So mm -hmm. a little bit more from that. Um, what do you think? Do, with the, do you think one of the things that was teased earlier this season was the Tower of Joy? And Bran wanted to follow young Ned into the tower, but um, the Three-Eyed Raven, or the Three-Eyed three Raven, yeah, the Three-Eyed Raven stopped him from going in. Do you think we'll, we'll, we'll see? Do you think we'll get our answer to what definitively happened inside the Tower of Joy in the finale? It's possible, but I like it to be relatively relevant mm -hmm. because otherwise it just seems to be pandering to fan service well, if that makes but, sense but the other thing point. is the other thing is we do need to find out if we are heading into the second last season next year we do need to find that out and we do need to begin the process of the characters of john finding that out and 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 that's more information that he's going to have to deal with and to to use as as the storyline goes forward so even if it's not relevant to this week's episode if it's something that's going to be a through line next season and this is just putting it all out there leaving it as a what will happen next kind of thing even if it's not related to what happens in king's yeah. landing or in the north or in the east um i i, I would be okay with it well, i agree but and, I, i'm just thinking what they mm. and i want the fan service this is this is one yeah. thing i want the fan service on <laughs> no that would be nice i'm just hesitant to sure see that happen i'm not i'm not if it happens i no doubt it'll be done very well etc but i just we haven't seen brand since the benjamin stuff i mean i kind of i feel like his storyline surely would fit in more with the white walkers like usually at the end of the season we get something about the north and the white walkers mm, yeah so i could see that play out a bit more than the ned stuff although having said that maybe taking back winterfell is a good excuse to bring it all back don't know 
wait and see. But another thing that we didn't quite mention was earlier in the clip, we saw a bird flying to Winterfell. Yeah. What message do you think is being carried there? Because usually they're quite known for carrying messages. <laughs> um, is, it, is, it, is it from um, the Night's Watch about a possible attack? Maybe. On the wall? I, I don't know. I, I think that's something we'll have to see. I, that that we would see. I, I think next somebody, season, some people have theorized that the wall might come down at the end of the season. That'd be the big cliffhanger. I think that's next season. I feel like that. I feel like that. That there's just we've already had our big battle in the north this season, and there's so much that needs to be resolved in the south mm. that I feel like that's probably well, not. We premier, know who's directing that episode. Yeah, next week. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, but I feel like that's something that needs to be dealt with next season. Um, I th- feel like the, including it this week would just be a little bit too much. But I do agree that the wall is going to is going to come down, and and I think you know people have theorized that Bran is the one who will lead the White Walkers there and will allow them through because he's been marked, and uh, you know the Three Eyed Raven's magic didn't apply anymore once he was marked. So any magic that might be guarding the wall, as some have theorized, uh, wouldn't work if uh, now that Bran's been marked. What about the Raven, though? What the Raven? Question. I, mm, I don't know. I don't know what I, I. I. That's 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 another thing. It's sort of like Walter Frey is. What is that? What is what? What does that play into this episode? Do you have a theory? I'm not entirely sure. I've heard a couple of rumors. One of them is possibly Sam. Oh, messaging. Although I don't know why he would message Winterfell because surely he'd message John at, at the wall if he thought he was still there. By the way, what has gone on with Sam's story? Yeah, it's just kind that of... has just been. He's he's had two scenes this season. Yeah, two episodes. And like yeah. you know, they they were okay, but you know, we, I feel like his story's just been thrown down the pan. Really. Yeah, we it doesn't kinda... look like he's going to come back this episode. And if he does, I don't know what relevance it's going to have. But, yeah, because he's supposed to—he's supposed to become a maester. He's supposed to become a maester so that he can learn the secrets of the White Walkers and bring that back to John. And, and, and so I don't know. Obviously, we needed to have that diversion to his family dinner so that he could get the Valyrian steel sword. Um, but I really feel like you know they could have installed him at the Citadel quite early on this season yeah, and then just not visited him at all. You know, if he's, if there's too much else going on this season. Sam, Sam's story, unfortunately had to be pushed to the side. And, and, and if that was the case, then we would just assume he was studying there. He was studying there. He was studying there and he would pop up again. Once, once he had that information. Um, the only thing I could see him doing in this episode would be if we saw him and Gilly arrive at the Citadel. And then that's a next I thought there might be a bit thing. of a fallout between him and his father. I thought there'd be an episode of like his father trying to chase him and then Sam having to confront his father for next the season. time. Next season. But next season that'll happen. Next season. That's that's my prediction, yeah. But then, what, you mean when he's at the Citadel or as he's yeah. going to the Citadel? Yeah, I, I think w- it, it, when he gets to the Citadel, his father will show up. Because his, his father Looking knows his father knows where he's going. <laughs> it's not like he doesn't that's know true. where he's going. So I, I do think we will get a Tarly showdown next season, um, hopefully once Sam has re- reached the, um, the Citadel. I don't want Sam going to the Citadel to turn into Danny invading Westeros, where it takes season after season after season after season. <laughs> he needs to just get there, and because he's going there to study, we can, we can ignore him for a little while. Not that I want to. I love Sam and Gilly. Those are two of my favorite characters. Um, so anyways... 
Um, but I'm with you. I don't really know what that Raven's about, but I'm intrigued. Yeah. Um, and then finally, to close things out, we get a little bit of stuff in the East. We see um, uh, Danny and uh, Dario. Interesting, interesting stuff there. Uh, I'm not, not really sure what's going on. Uh, and then we get Tyrion. I think that's the breakup. That's the breakup. Ooh, ooh. So, uh, so uh, you sh- are you are you are you are you actually are you shipping uh, um, uh, Danny and um, Yara? Not necessarily, but I think it's kind <laughs> of the way is Pat. I think she's now focusing on the objective of conquering, and I think he's going to want to try and get back into the bed life. And I think she's just going to kind of shun him a bit mm. personally. Gotcha. Because otherwise, I, I'm not really that interested in their storyline. Yeah. To be honest, mm-hmm. I hate to say it, but there's a couple of like they they're both on their own very. You know, they portray their characters very well. When Dario's fighting, I like him. But when they're having their moments, I'm just a bit bored. I hate to say it. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, and then we hear we hear Tyrion giving uh, Danny some uh, some advice. You know, if you're you know saying it's good that she's afraid that she's you know that you're you're in the great game now, you're supposed to be afraid. Uh, that's not mm-hmm. the line. That's not the line exactly, but. Um, very interesting stuff. We're in for one hell of a finale next week with the and wind. the last thing, the last last thing we saw oh, was a shot of Lancel Lannister leaving the Sept. Yeah, I hope he dies. Yeah, I think I think what we're seeing there. Who's is... gonna, who's going to die in King's Landing? Come on, Dominic. That's the final thing I want to ask. Okay, like, um, we, we sort of skirted around it earlier, but who is going to die? Lancel, Tommen. Loras, unfortunately, and because he's he's kind of the he he's not he's kind of the innocent there, um, and the uh, High Sparrow, and oh, actually, and I'll throw in uh, Kevin Lannister and Pycelle. yeah, but in a different way. Robert Strong, maybe, maybe I, th- I think I think we're gonna see that yeah, some of those guys are gonna go down in wildfire, and others will go down at the hands of. Robert Strong or maybe somebody else, but probably Robert Strong. I hope so. The mountain. He's been bigged up, he's been bigged up the whole season. No, He hasn't done much. There. Yeah. He's done nothing, has he really? Yeah. Well, what do you, what, who do you think's going? Who's going down? I'm going to say Loris, Lancel. I think I've, I could see Tommen go down. Hi Sparrow, I hope so, but I'm not entirely certain. I think he might stick around for a little bit longer. I can see Pycelle and Kevin going. Um, I might, I might just put it out there. Possibly Marjorie. Ooh, yeah, quite possibly. It's a possibility. She, her ruse might get found out when Los Loras dies, and that could spell the end for her. Yeah, that's true. Because if Loras dies, then I think because she, we know she's putting on a facade. Uh-huh. All right. I agree. I think Solaris will probably be the first to go. Yeah. And then it all spiral out of control, which is what I'm going to hope is really... Uh, that's kind of what I hope happens. I sound really, like, <laughs> sadistic by saying that, but I'm like, <laughs> something has to happen in King's Landing. Like, it built it up. This trial has been built up for two seasons now, yep. really. Well, yep. a season and a half, maybe. Ever since the whole um, time... Well, once Marjorie and um, Cersei were put in a cell, the trial was talked about, so... Let's hope it's worth it. Eh? Yeah. Let's hope it's worth. And then, it. And then there's the other question: What the fuck happened to Dorne? I mean, 
I, I mean, do we miss it though? No, no, it's all good. No. It's all good. Maybe that could be the big season finale that we just. That's why it's sixty-nine minutes long. It's all Dawn. Shove in all of the Dawn stuff from this season. It's... You just have a twenty-minute segment of Dawn of the Sand Snakes. There, no, like oh, the, that's the that's, that's Dorn. That's the premiere next year. Is is an, an entire hour of just Dorn. Yeah, that's when you know they've hit the ground. <laughs> when they haven't hit the ground running. That's why they're speeding up all these storylines so they can just focus on Dorn. So they can focus on Dorn. All right. I think that's I think that's where we wrap up. I love it. We talked about probably the best episode of the series and we ended it and on we Dorn. And on Dorn. Oh. Man. Any anyways, uh, what an episode. What a what a fun discussion talking about the Battle of the Bastards penultimate episode of season six of game of thrones like i said i can't believe we are almost done this season now uh before we go before we get to final thoughts and score out of 10 next week's going to be a little bit different because on sunday before the episode airs actually the morning before the episode airs i am getting on a plane and leaving my continent i am i'm, I'm heading uh from canada to ireland uh going on a little vacation ahead of uh star wars celebration europe uh that's coming up in the middle of July. So the episode next week is going to be a little bit different. We're not 100% sure what we're going to do. Kieran might do an episode by himself. Hopefully I'll be able to, to join uh, for a little bit. It'll probably be a shorter episode than you're used to. Um, of course, it had to be the week of the finale. Uh, but but stay. But don't worry. We're going to have a, um, a longer episode recorded when we are actually together uh because i'm gonna go visit kieran in uh, in exeter before uh heading to london for celebration uh so we're gonna actually record a, a big episode talking about the finale and talking about the season uh as a whole so uh you know the actual finale episode will be a little bit um might leave you uh wanting more just because it will be short and and it may not have all the hosts or the, oh, might not have all the hosts for a little bit, but that uh, follow-up episode hopefully will more than make up for it. So, uh, yeah, I mean, at the very least, we'll try and get our initial reactions, even if, say, Dominic has to record something and send it in, and then I can edit it together. Yeah, who knows? Maybe you could find a co-host. Uh, you could replace me for a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be like, you never, you've never been on this podcast before, but just chat about Game of Thrones yeah, anyway. Come, come on and talk I about it. I didn't even the- see the episode. doesn't matter. Just talk. Just, just talk. talk. Yeah, just make up stuff. <laughs> just, just vent. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, uh, uh, stay tuned for, uh, for more on that. Now, now that that's out of the way, let's go to final thoughts and score out of 10. Kieran, over to you. I mean, I kind of alluded to it at the beginning of this particular show. Easily a 10 out of 10. For me, up there with the best of the series. Easily top three. Um, Such a good episode. Just the intensity of it all. And that's why I think these episodes work at episode nine. A lot of people sometimes question it and say, oh, well, we know what episode nine is going to be like, but why does it always have to be at the end of the season? Well, you've got to build up to it. And, and you just built it. I think this storyline in particular was built up very well. You know, whether it was from the start when Roose Bolton was killed off, when Rickon arrived, when John came back, all of these kind of smart, not necessarily minor things, but events that took place earlier in a season needed to take place for this to happen so that Rickon could die. And we actually feel sorry for it because sorry for him because he's now back. Um, the whole Sansa and Littlefinger, when they had their big, you know, moaning 
confessed, or maybe she was moaning at Littlefinger earlier in the season. Well, now it makes sense because she has to bring him to the rescue, and there's a lot of stuff that we talked about in this episode about what could happen next season. Sorry, um, next episode where he may die. I hope not, but we'll see. Um, anyway, that's next episode. This episode, so, so good. Visual effects, cinematography, music was excellent. Just everything about it. Um, and I really, really would recommend to those of you who haven't yet to watch the feature out on the Game of Thrones YouTube channel, which is called Anatomy of a Scene, Battle of the Bastards. And it just is a 10 minute like documentary or behind the scenes feature about um, the, the making of the battle for Winterfell. Really great stuff. Um, worth worth a watch. And you really get an insight into how the, how difficult, how logistically difficult it is to make an episode like this. Yes, okay, they may have the budget, but you're going to have great directing, you've got to have great casting and, and great coordination. And they had it all. So like you say, Dominic, give them all the Emmys. All the Emmys for this episode. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. They deserve they deserve every Emmy possible for this episode, I think. You know, even, um, you know, uh, best original or best, uh, best uh, sh- comedy short form, I think. Uh, <laughs> we could also pick up. Oh, I need the Grey Worm. Yeah, give them that. Best musical. Best musical, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I need that Grey Worm clip again from last week. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, phenomenal, phenomenal episode. Beautifully shot. um, Amazingly executed. Um, Great moments of uh, of, uh, of sorrow and sadness, but also of um, vindication, (laughs) shall we say, or of revenge. Um, as uh, as we got a really a, a stellar episode, a solid episode, and um, ten out of ten can't cannot uh, cannot find fault, cannot find much fault, if any. No, can't find any fault with this episode. So that'll do it uh, for uh, for us this week. Uh, be sure to tune in next week for whatever that show is going to look like, and the week after. Will it be the week after that? A little bit after that, a week or two. You would think you would think I would know my own vacation schedule, but I have no idea. Two weeks, I think. Two weeks, yeah. So uh, stay tuned in the weeks uh, following uh, for uh, for another show and a lot more fun, uh, a lot more uh, discussion and, and more fun and, and all that uh, that you've come to expect from this show. Um, and also, be sure to follow us on social media. You can follow uh, follow the show at Watcher Westeros on Twitter. You can follow me personally at Dominic J twenty five, and you can follow Kieran at C Duggan six. If you want to follow along with my vacation for whatever reason, uh, you can follow me at Dominic J twenty five on Instagram. And I actually will be. Uh, this is really cool. I'm going to be visit. I'm going on a Game of Thrones set tour. So they're going to take us up into Northern Ireland, and we'll visit some of the places that they. Uh, that they shot some scenes from the first few seasons. So I'm really excited about that. So you actually do follow me on Instagram for pictures from that trip. Uh, Karen, thank you so much for hosting as always this week. That's all right. Always a pleasure. And what an episode to do it on. I cannot wait to do our own podcast in person this time. Yeah. And I guess it is fitting in that sense that we do the finale because it should be a very good episode. Yes, absolutely. Sorry, I hit the cough button there. Um, uh, yeah, it, it will be. It, it, it will be great. Um, and uh, also, also, as always, want to remind you to check out the Star Wars Underworld podcast. Just search for the Star Wars Underworld on iTunes. Uh, you'll find it there, as well as uh, hitting up StarWarsUnderworld.com. That's where you'll find the podcast, as well as uh, news and, and uh, reports and opinion about 
what's going on in the Star Wars universe. So definitely check that out. And uh, you can follow us on iTunes. Just search for the Watchers of Westeros, a Game of Game of Thrones podcast, or just search for Watchers of Westeros. And you should be able to find that and get all the new episodes as they come out. And that'll do it. That'll do it for this week for our discussion of the Battle of the Bastards. Join us next week for the Winds of Winter. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next week. So long for now. It's a wrap. It's a wrap.